Thanks for tuning into the Refuge Church Sermon Podcast. It's our prayer that the Spirit would use God's Word to stir your affections for Christ during this time. While we're glad to provide this online content, please remember that it's not intended to replace commitment and connection within a local church family. Now, here's this week's message. Huge. Jesus is announcing the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, those are interchangeable, uh, is at hand. And so then, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea. They were fishermen. Again, think like uh, uh, deadliest catch type people, all right? Um, not like the nice, cleaned up, I don't, I don't know what your view of fishermen is. That's never the view of fishermen. Um, but they're fishermen, all right? And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And then going from there, two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them, and they left their dad in the boat and followed him. And then Jesus calls these guys to follow him, and then this is what Jesus does. He went throughout all of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the gospel, the good news of the kingdom of God, and healing every disease, every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria. And they brought him the sick and those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. The great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. And then chapter 5, seeing the crowds... He went up on the mountain. Luke records he went into the plain, but Matthew is talking to the Jewish people, and on the mountain is where God appears. Matthew is using this very intentionally. So Jesus goes up on the mountain, and when he sat down, the disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth, and he taught them, saying, and that's where we're going to stop. And this is the intro to the Sermon on the Mount, and what we see in this is Jesus is, is basically, basically going to tell us this is what the kingdom of God looks like. The first thing he does when he ushers in, he says, repent, the kingdom of heaven is, is at hand. And he calls fishermen, follow me. And then he heals. And he begins to show these fishermen the kingdom of God is not going to have disease in it. It's not going to have affliction or anxiety or fear or epilepsy or any of the things that that are uh, wreaking havoc on the souls of men. The kingdom of God will not have those things. And so he's giving a, oh, I, I, let, I forgot to let the kids go. I meant to do that after that. I, I did. Kids, uh, you're welcome to stay, uh, but if you want to go uh, to Elevate, you can do that. Do we have EGC this morning? Yeah. Just Elevate. Yes, EGC. Yeah. All right, third, fourth, fifth grade, follow that way. And I'm sorry, I got excited and started talking. You guys were all like greeting each other. I was getting pumped. And then, and then the kids were there like, oh, do we have to keep listening? All right. Okay. So hopefully they got a taste, right? They got enough of what was happening. So Jesus is ushering in the kingdom of God. And, and, and then in chapter 5, he said, the kingdom of God is not about all these things that you don't do. Like, this isn't what makes you righteous in the kingdom of God. It, well, I don't do this, and I don't do this, and I don't do this. And Jesus is like, yeah, but you do these things in your heart. And then chapter 6, he's like, it's not about what you do do. Well, I do this, and I do this, and I give to the poor, and I pray in such a way. And Jesus is like, yeah, but it's not about that either. And the kingdom of God is nuanced, and it's messy. And the opening illustration that Jesus gives in every gospel account is that the kingdom of God is like seed, 
Some of it grows up fast and everybody just falls out. But the seed that lasts, there's a lot of work being done underground. There's a lot of work being done internally. And it doesn't, it doesn't just, you know, sprout up and everything changes. And so we're, we've been going through the kingdom, uh, the this, this Sermon on the Mount, and what does the kingdom of God look like? And listen, we try to tame this all the time. We try to put a formula to it. Do this, don't do this, that makes you a Christian. Do this, go to heaven when you die. Do it, like we, we have these formulas. And I just want to tell you, you see it in scripture and we see it in life. The kingdom of God is not a formula. It's a person, and it looks messy. And so when I was thinking through, reading through this, uh, and I was like, what, what is a glorious illustration of a messy kingdom at work in our world today? And so I thought, uh, God, I'm gonna, we're going to credit God for bringing this to mind, because actually, we met a long time ago, uh, and so we're just coming back up. But Lucas Rugley, who uh, is, you can come on up, Lucas, um, and I'm going to have you clap for him in a second. But Lucas is the, what are you, the head, the CEO, the head of, he leads a ministry called Love the Lou. But more importantly than that, Lucas and his family just moved into the city. And um, this is messy. This is not a formula. We even talked this morning, like, how do you replicate that? And it, you, God works. Uh, so um, we're going to see the kingdom of God at work through through the ministry that Lucas has been doing and God's work. And so we're just going to sit down and have a conversation. But I want to bring your attention here. Uh, I got finished reading this yesterday. When the sirens stop, Lucas, uh, this is a book. Basically, this is the account of the last 12 years? First six, but of 12. Okay, first six. Yeah, and then you jump to like how, what's going on now. But the first six years of life on Enright. Um, and, uh, and I'm going to let him, we're going we're we're to talk more about this. But... As you're hearing this, think kingdom of God, and, and hear me, okay? Oh, white suburbanites, all right, which is us. This is not a message for us to feel guilty. If we are blessed by God, one day, and this is kind of my thing, one day we will be able to empty the cigarette trays of the, the, the ones that are sitting at the feast of God. Like, we, we get kind of a reward in this life. But when you see the heroic ways of life and death uh, in the city, it's beautiful. This is not something for us to feel guilty about. This is something for us to rejoice over. So can I just say that? All right, so I'm going to sit down. Um, so Lucas started Love the Lou in 2011 or 12? 11. 2011. And are we on this? Do I need to get him his own mic or you're good? Can you hear Lucas talk? Yeah. All right. I'm going to turn mine off. Okay. Uh, 2011, and uh, the basic story is you bought a house. Bought a house on Enright. I should say um, I'm a white guy. Uh, grew up in Jackson, Missouri, southeast Missouri. My neighbors were cows. Uh, this this is uh, this is definitely a calling from God, uh, where we prayed. My wife and I uh, prayed for two years straight, um, about what God, what, what did God want us to do with our life? Um, we have four kids now. We had two at the time and we really felt like if this gospel is true, it is, uh, that we were not called to just, um, 
I don't know, do, do an, the normal American dream stuff, uh, if that makes any sense. Um, and so a lot of prayer went into, um, could we love our neighbor and take that like message very seriously? Um, and where does that love need to go? And a lot of you guys know this, but in St. Louis, uh, the region, uh, North City uh, at the time and still uh, is one of those places where we need good news. Um, it was very evident. Uh, you turn on the news, uh, any channel, and it's kind of like another murder, another shooting, another, you know, all that stuff. And so um, I don't think that we're any kind of, uh, we're, we're nothing special, but we felt God say, go move on to Enright, buy a house. Uh, and, uh, and so we did that. And it's interesting because uh, I remember like feeling very accomplished once we bought the house. And, uh, and the very next day, some of my neighbors uh, were around and I did not want to meet them. Uh, the neighborhood, so once again, uh, it, if you're not from St. Louis or if you're new to this, uh, we're north of Del Mar and everything north of Del Mar is like black neighborhood. So it's 98% African-American. And then my family's like the 2%, I guess. Uh, so this is, this is uh, a black and white thing, uh, but it's also a poverty thing because everything north of Del Mar uh, is majority, um, I think it's like 85% are living underneath the poverty line. Uh, and so I had some neighbors that were very much fit that. And, and this is like my, the first week that we're there. And I knew that God was calling me to them. Uh, but I just wanted a little bit of like, I don't know, a pat on the back just to like, like, God, I just moved into the city. Like, do I have to immediately start getting to know? And uh, yes, yes. Uh, and so we just dove right in. And, and people were... A little suspicious. Absolutely. I had a neighbor um, for the first year that thought we were the FBI, that this was like a, a sting. Uh, and he's like, I couldn't, I, I didn't understand why the police just kept feeding us. Like, why, why do you keep doing these barbecues? Like, like you're the, this is the worst sting operation. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and eventually, like after about a year, he came up and he's like, yeah, I think maybe you mean what you say. <laughs> That's amazing, and and you do a little bit of this in the book, and there's some other there's some other great books on the history of St. Louis, but that divide is not unintentional, no. right? The Del Mar, if you've ever driven down Del Mar and you look to the right and see th uh, hundred and you know five hundred thousand dollar to million and a half dollar homes, and then you look to the left and you just see complete and total poverty. That's not unintentional. Yeah. Not, neither is the racial divide there. These are historically segregated parts of the city that. When desegregation took place, actually, ironically, didn't help. Yeah. yeah because people uh, could move out, and, and so they did. Yeah, and, there, and there's, guys, as a city, as, in a, as a region, um, this is just part of, part of our history. Like, we, we need to just recognize. Uh, I'll give you a quick example of what this means practically for me. Um, I'm north of Del Mar. We have a beautiful house. Uh, it's three-story. You're welcome to come down anytime. Give me like a, give my wife a 24-hour notice and she'll really appreciate that. Uh, if you show up on my doorstep, she will not appreciate it as much. Uh, and she's not going to listen to this, so I can get away with saying that. 
um, the our house uh, is is beautiful. It's it's restored. It's it, it was built in 1879. Double staircases because of some of the the racial issues. So like where where we live, uh, the backyard used to back up to the trolley line, and th- think about that. 1879 is what 14 years after the Civil War ended. Um, and so you have the, this reconstruction of America. You have slaves that are freed that are coming up to St. Louis, kind of one of their first stops, and then becoming the help <coughs> for, uh, for white families. Um, uh, and so you have double staircases. You have uh, these b- big, beautiful homes where the front uh, of Enright is just uh, awesome. And, and then the back is, you know, was the was where uh, a lot of the, the servant type uh, workers would hang out and stuff. And so right along the trolley line. Uh, our house, when we bought it in 2011, was, was 140000 And if you cross and you go like three blocks south and you get across that Del Mar divide, um, the same type of house uh, would be five hundred to 600000 And so even to this day, there's a perception that everything north of Del Mar is, uh, and everything south of Del Mar is where you want to be. Yeah. Okay. So, um, and the, the history of St. Louis is a very fascinating one that I think if you grew up here, you don't, we we don't realize. Yeah. Um, but uh, so you move in, and you just when we were talking, and <laughs> we were recalling this morning. Uh, this is a confession that I need to make. That you said I might have been like the first person in St. Louis that you met yeah we we went out for coffee uh we were living in Portland Oregon working with a church plant out there had a buddy of mine actually the the pastor out there connected me with Trey uh so you were the first as far as reconnection back into Missouri you were you were it I need to talk Sean about that that was probably so yeah so I'm like (laughs) so I think I think what happened was we met and I was like good luck I tell you what, call me in a couple of years uh, when you're moving back out, and we'll maybe we'll talk then. I, and I, that's my confession. Although I, you said you remember it being encouraging, I was that's super good. encouraged. Okay. And we were really naive. Uh, so it, one of the things that I've realized, and I want to encourage you guys with this, like um, uh, if I if I would have known now, like having gone through what we've gone through the last twelve years, um, I don't know that I would have signed up. But Jesus is, guys. Jesus is so good at using everyday, ordinary naivete, like the, just the, I want to be faithful. Can you take this little amount of faithfulness and the stupidity and ignorance that I had and to use it for his glory? And then it's that seed planting where it begins to multiply. Um, and so I know, I know too much now, um, where my faith is actually dwindling of like, oh, this is going to hurt. Uh, then there was just this attitude of like, yeah, like Jesus says it, let's do it. That's still true, okay? Like that doesn't, it's just that the older I get, the, the less I, um, when, when we talk about the kingdom, uh, Jesus says things like the greatest in the kingdom is a child. And, and there's this, um, there's this frustrating part about growing up uh, and growing in knowledge and growing in experience that means that we lean a lot less on Jesus 
and faithfulness to him like children do and more in our own knowledge and our own experience in, in the way that we view the world. Um, and so I'll, I'll say that as a confession to you. Uh, thank you for the encouragement back then and you didn't say those words out loud. Okay, uh, um, and uh, man, this, this kingdom stuff is real and we all need to tap into it. So, all right, so let's, when, when the kingdom of God, you, you kind of walk in on Enright, and I love the, the story. The stories in the book are amazing, and I've never met these people, but I feel like I could walk up to them on the street and be like, you're, yeah, like some of the heroic things. You walk into Enright with this naive kind of, all right, we're here, and Jesus is going to start working. Yeah. Um, one of the things we talked about in, in, as the, the Beatitudes, that the Beatitudes are not this list of virtues as if we need to go, you know, what I really need to do is I need to be more poor in spirit. I need to be more of this. But the Beatitudes actually from Isaiah, these are, this is good news, the proclamation of good news. Yeah. So when you walk onto, when you move into the neighborhood and you have different interactions, both with old and young and then the lost boys, mm -hmm. uh, how did you see, like I, I would love to just hear or for us to hear some of the stories of the kingdom of God where maybe how you thought it would work, uh, where you saw it working mm -hmm. underneath, maybe in spite of your efforts, mm -hmm. where Miss Sharon corrected you on how the kingdom of God should be at work, or it just, does that make sense? It does. How uh, is this good news to these, uh, in carrying that burden to Enright? So one of the things that's true about when you're in a neighborhood that's poor is you're, you're just kind of going day by day. Like you're just kind of surviving. Um, and so, so poverty is less to do about your wallet, and it's more about like a mindset of how you're approaching your life. Um, so it's possible to be out in the burbs and, and to be poor, meaning you're just getting by day by day by day. You're just treading water, right? Um, in the city, and, and at first um, I didn't appreciate this, but I appreciate this so much now. In the city, it is day-to-day, -day, black and white, life and death, okay? So there's not really any distraction. It's either good news or bad news. Like, and, and, and there's very little good news. And so when somebody comes along, and you're not thinking like, what denomination are you? You're not thinking like, oh, what's the worship service like? You're just like, that's life. <laughs> and all I experience is death. Uh, I'll give you a quick example. Um, this was not too long ago. I sat down with a group of 20-year-olds who, are, who are, have graduated high school, but they're stuck and they don't know what their next steps are because like, there's not a lot of resources. There's no jobs readily available. Um, they know that, that they shouldn't join gangs, but a couple of them have made some bad decisions. Uh, so I, I'm hanging out with some very at-risk kids, about 10 of them. I say kids, 20. Uh, I'm not going to say my age at the moment, but dude, it's getting bad. Like, I think you're catching up to me. <sighs> okay, so we're, we're, uh, <laughs> we're, we were gathered around in a circle. There's about 10 of them. And I was trying to give them as much Jesus as I can, and they were not for it. Like, it just wasn't landing. They're kind of goofing off the whole time. And so finally, I'm just like, I'm going to switch my approach. And I, I just asked the question, I was like, how many of you guys uh, 
should not be alive. And I just kind of tossed that out, and every single one of them is like, we just got real. Like, and then they started telling the stories of bullets missing them. Like, and each one of them had it, 10 for 10. 100% of these kids should not be alive. Like, should be dead, and for some reason, we're sitting in a circle, and they've made it to 20, 21, 22. They've made it this far. And so the question then is, what are you alive for? That's, that's starting to get into the good news. Like, good news is not, like, material wealth there. It's like, what is my purpose? Jesus is really good at, at answering that question. And, and not, only, like, not only that, but, but these are, I don't know how to say this any different. Like, these are like kind of hardened gang dudes who are like, thank you, Jesus, for keeping me alive. 20 years old, so I'm looking at them as just a kid. You have your whole life ahead of you, and they're thinking, I've, I, I made it this far. We don't, most places in America don't have that mindset. When you're in a neighborhood that is destabilized, that is broken completely, like everything seems toxic, when you come across good news, even if that's just one house on the block, you latch onto it. You hunger and thirst for that righteousness. You, you go towards it. You put yourself in there. So I've, I've witnessed, like not, not our great work, but I've witnessed like we're, we're just doing the best we can, like serving some hot dogs every night or opening up our house. You know, you can come and charge your cell phone at our place. Uh, we'll help you mow your lawn, kind of, kind of work. And then people saying, okay, there's something about that. I want in. And, and then gravitating towards it on a regular basis so much that they become empowered, they become lifted up, they, they're grasping onto everything that Jesus is giving them. Let me contrast that with where I grew up. Uh, I, had, I had great parents, upper middle class maybe, I don't know, lots of room to run, very good school district. We didn't need Jesus. Not like that. Like, does that make sense? Like, I grew up, like, you, you do the stuff, and, and you're good, right? It's America. This is how we do it. And I, I assumed everybody had the same experience, and it wasn't until moving on to Enright that I was like, oh, this is not the world I grew up in. And, and then once again, I struggled with, I need to get them to understand my world and what God has done for me, and I'm so thankful that he's done this over the last 12 years, is he's broken me down to the point where it's not getting them to my world, mm. but getting me to theirs. Is that, is that like, like this is the kingdom. Like we, we've been sold a lie that it's health, wealth, prosperity, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, like all of this stuff. And we chase it. And, and think about it. Like, like, we chase, like, okay, you're in junior high. You can't wait till you're in high school. You get to high school. You cannot wait to get out of the house and go to college. Go to college. You cannot wait to, like, just get out of that, like, like so that I can get my life started. And it goes to, you know, picket fence and the, and the puppy dogs and the, you know, two kids. And, the, and, and then you get to the spot where, like, I've, my, some of my best friends are, like, midlife crisis mode. What are we doing? 
And, and in the city, you're just lucky to be alive. You're happy to be. And I know that, like, I know what that sounds like, but that day-to-day faithfulness is life-changing. If I only have 24 hours to live, and I'm, I'm recognizing that this is good news, all right, Jesus, I'm in with you. And then Jesus' work is more powerful than anything that we could ever do. It's better than any kind of government program. It's not top-down. I can't, like I was telling Trey earlier, like I would love to bottle this up and like figure out a way to like duplicate it. We're doing our best. We have not. Like I don't know how. I don't know how. How? I mean, it's 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 way too simple the way God is working. Sorry, I'm I'm. Do it. Talk. Okay. Talk. Okay. Uh, so there's this kid in the book. His name is Jamel. Um, Jamel's gonna be a preacher. Um, I invited. He's he's too busy with school right now, so I invited him to come out. Um, Jamel. Uh, uh, and, and others like him have just said yes to Jesus. And, and it's radically changed their life, and they've been overcomers, and it's this beautiful thing. Um, Jamel, I, I was talking to him not too long ago, and I'm like, what's the biggest difference in your life? Because I've known him for 12 years. Um, he's one of the first people I met on Enright. And, and so he's this little punk kid that has grown up into this man of God. And I'm like, what, was, what made the difference? What was it? We've spent thousands of dollars. Like, I've, I've, I've fought him. I've, I've, you know, like I've, I've poured so much into this one person. And I was just like really curious. And he said, um, he said there was one time back when he was like 12 years old or something when he came over to my house and the family was eating dinner and he looked at my wife and he looked at me and he looked at the kids and he said, this is what I want. And I've spent thousands of dollars and thousands of hours, and we've taken this kid all over the place. And the, the, the thing that made the difference in his life is he came over to dinner with us and ate with us and looked at it and saw the gospel demonstrated and is like, this is it. This is good news. I would like this. That was it. And so I'm not trying to, like, like, how do you prescribe that? How do you, how do you say, okay, let's make a program where every family invites the poor kids. You know, like, no, you can't. Like, that's not how it works. Yeah. But when we put ourselves out there, when, and, and this is, like, somebody needs to hear this. I don't know who it is. But somebody needs to just, just open your door. That's it. Like, it, like don't worry about white and black, rich, poor. Don't, don't worry about that. Just open your door. Open up, like, like literally just invite somebody over for dinner. That's your next step. And like, like that's not like next step is in like we did it once. That's like life commitment of we become a family that just opens our door and invites somebody in for dinner. Who needs dinner? I don't know. Like, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, so we, we have done that um, and it's uh, amongst other things and it's made a huge difference in some people's lives. Um, I forgot what the question was, but I don't, but I don't know either. But was, <laughs> Thank uh, you. You guys are way too gracious. Like, I, I'm sorry. I just got going. I don't even know how long this is supposed to last, but we, what? I don't care. The Chiefs play at three. We're not Chiefs okay. fans. Oh, we're not. We've celebrated all of our vic- all of our football victories yesterday. Uh, we can't. We can go for the Chiefs till three. Got it. Mizzou, Ohio State, and uh, whoever else. Calm down, Lord. Uh, <laughs> 
All of our football teams played yesterday, so we're and the okay. Cardinals are out. So it well, we got all day then. All day. Uh, no, no, no. So, um, and this is something that that I, and and again, the stories uh, are amazing. So I'm trying to. I don't remember what the question was, but I'm I'm trying to cover some ground and then get to the next question. Both of these. Sure. One of the things, and and we talked about this a little bit, but you talk about it in the book as well, not explicitly, but. Policies are important, but they're not everything. But there are policies in place that are harmful. Yeah. Um, uh, in, in the book, police are both protectors and the enemy at times. Yeah. And, uh, and it's hard because you want it. We talk about black and white. We want it to be black and white, and it's not. Yeah. Um, money can be, you know, and a job can be great, but if it's an hour and a half trip, just to get to Breadco for a four-hour shift and an hour and a half trip back, <laughs> it's easier to drop a brown bag off for 50 bucks yep. down the road. Poverty, uh, uh, the absent of, and I'm going to tell you this right now. This book is expensive. Tell tell us why this book is expensive. Uh, it's expensive uh, on Amazon, uh, in particular. Okay. Uh, we so we created a website where we're selling it. Uh, where it's about half the price of oh, Amazon. Oh, perfect. Okay. Uh, uh, but the reason it's expensive is because all the proceeds go to um, North City Entrepreneurs. It's a it's a it's a new endeavor called BrickCityShop.com, where uh, there's a few of my neighbors who are starting their own website uh, just for North City Entrepreneurs to be able to sell. And so part of my gifting uh, into that was to say, hey, I'll I'll all the proceeds of the book can go. You guys can sell the book through that. And it, um, it's it's actually giving uh, a handful of people jobs. Awesome. Uh, so that's been really cool. Yeah. And so I, I should say, like, not that we're selling, like, thousands and thousands of copies. Like, no. Like, well, even like the fact that you put years. your thoughts down in, like, <laughs> I would never put my thoughts on printed paper that people could use against me. So I'm... Uh, Smart. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, so it, it's complicated. And then, and you know, we talk about there's policies, there's good, and there's bad. But, the, but politics... There's not an answer either side. Uh, personal accountability is good, but there's a level to which, how you know, personal accountability is not even the answer when when it's there's so much at work there. Um, but the one thing, uh, the kingdom of God at work in you and your plans. I would love to hear just um, if you could just share a story or two, maybe about how. God used some of your neighbors to reshape uh, your own, I'm not going to say pride, your own view of how things need to be done yeah. and how God like, and I particularly love the words of Ms. Sharon, uh, who just seems to have this prophetic voice, mm -hmm. but how has the kingdom of God been shaped in you in this experience? Yeah, so I think, so one of the things, that, especially as we're studying through like Matthew 5, 6, and 7, you're, you're seeing like these words of Jesus like this. Um, Jesus does a thing where um, he flips everything completely upside down. And I know that we say that a lot, but like it's true. Like he, it's not a top-down formulaic, like if you just create the best policy, then everybody falls in line. Um, we fail when we try to do it top-down. Um, when we depend on like amazing strategy to bring everybody in line, it's just not going to work. And so it's this bottom-up approach uh, that, that works. So when we moved into, uh, onto Enright, 
um, I just went through a series of changes uh, personally. So first of all, um, I, my, I think my first attitude was I saw poverty up close and personal. And that's really important for us. Uh, you know, Trey mentioned like, like feeling guilty and stuff. We didn't, we didn't move because we felt guilty. We felt like we were called. But there is a little bit of like, like almost like superiority. And here's what, like, I, I was running into kids on a daily basis who didn't know what they were going to eat that night. All right. So uh, at one point, I tell a story about some kids that stole some food from Schnooks, and my immediate reaction—I remember this—was like, "I'm going to lecture them on the Ten Commandments: Thou shalt not steal." That's that's in there, right? Uh, and and I was all ready to go, and then they just kept telling me the story of, "Yeah, the refrigerator is empty, and if we didn't steal from Schnooks, we didn't know if we were going to get to eat tonight." That breaks your heart. That breaks your heart. And, and, and to hear those stories, like I, I, I met kids that um, didn't have beds, didn't have rooms, don't have pillows, like roll up a sweatshirt, sleep on the kitchen floor, nine or ten people in a one or two bedroom apartment. And that's just kind of the norm. It's a, it's a functional homelessness. Everybody's just kind of like, Stacked in. And so what, my, my, what I started to do is I started to look down, not like I didn't say this, but I was like those poor kids, those, those poor kids. My heart was broken. I'm not doing this out of guilt. I'm already there. But I, but I had a little bit of the, I mean, there, there's, some, there's some word or words around this, but like white savior industrial complex is, is kind of a thing. There's a little bit of like, Man, I just want to, I want to help you. Get in here. I want to help them. You know, like, like there's just that. And that's a spiritual gifting of mercy that's coming out. But then it becomes, it, it can become toxic. Where my attitude, does that make, is this making sense? Where my attitude was, was focused on the lack that they had and how much I had. And so my first few years, I was a little puffed up. Let me help you. I, I still, from time to time, make that mistake. I'll run into a new neighbor, and I'll, and I'll meet them, and my, some of my first things are like, here's all that we can do for you. Do, 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 do. And do you, like, that's not good news. Hmm. Like, I, I, I want it to be good news. I, I have a heart for them. I'm here because of them, but that's really my kingdom being built up. That's look at all the stuff Love the Lou as an organization has to offer. Get on our page. And Jesus does this thing where like we actually come underneath neighbors, no matter how rich or poor they are. We come underneath them and when we do that, we actually learn. So from 2014 to 2016 there was a gang war on my block. And I watched, and this is in the book, but, the, but I watched as, um, it, was a, it started with a 16-year-old, uh, his, uh, his friend gets shot, um, shot and killed, all of the, the buddies get together, and they don't know what to do with their pain, and I, I just kind of entered in by giving bottled water and helping feed and just anything I can do to physically and spiritually, I'm praying for them, but, but it's just like hitting the ceiling. And from 2014 to 2016, for me, um, was this, this really frustrating moment with me and God where I was like, 
why, why can't I get through to these kids? Like, why don't they believe me? Why, like, almost like, like, I know that you can change lives, but like, why aren't you? And I watched um, as one by one, and this was right across the street from my house, uh, there was drive-by shooting after drive-by shooting for like a couple years straight. Um, every other weekend kind of thing, it was just the norm. And they all died, like right in front of me. And that's horrific, and it's traumatizing, and I've got PTSD from it, and I've got unhealthy coping skills because of it, and all kinds of stuff for me, and I'm a grown man who could leave at any point, and my neighbors are stuck, and they're scared to come out of their house. And I felt like at that point, the white saviorism is out, because now we're just all like clinging to anything. And so... For me, the thing that, that happened that was so beautiful is, is God broke that, not by my choice, like that's not how I wanted it to be, but now I'm either in or out. I can either move out and just pretend it didn't happen, or I can suffer through with you. And so we suffered through. And, and then that, beca- that became for me a huge catalyst of change in my heart. It was not us versus them. It was us. This is where we have to get to. I don't know how, like, like there's, there's a lot of dividing lines that keep us apart. And, and I'm talking about St. Louis' region. Like there are some of you who, who for good reason are scared to cross rivers, are scared to cross certain streets. Um, like, like we all kind of have these boundary lines. That's everywhere. That's not just white people. That's black people too. Like that's, that's all of us. Like we, we, are, we are segregated. We are separated from each other. And then the thought is if we as a church take good news out to, to those people in the city that it's a one-way street. It's mm-hmm. us overcoming our fear and then going down to them. And, and I, like, like we're not patting ourselves on the back, but like you feel good. And God, God has something actually deeper for us where we could actually learn what it means to be poor in spirit or, or, or to like suffer with somebody or suffer along. And, and that happens in relationship. That happens when we get to, to extend out, out, outside of like where our, our little bubble is. And it's not, all, it's not all of us. We don't need a whole bunch of, you know, people from St. Charles movie, like it's not every single person, but as the church, some of us are going to be called to burst outside of that bubble, go as evangelists, as missionaries, as, as apostles sent out, like, and to, and to do it and then to come back with a helpful community and to raise up orphans and widows and surround those that are in need. Was that an answer to the question? Quite possibly. I okay. Don't okay. What the... Um, does that does that make sense, guy? Like, is that is that like when when Trey? Sorry, when Trey said like, "Oh, we're in the we're in the Sermon on the Mount." I'm like, "Yes, this is like this is this is it. This is where it's at, guys." Like Jesus means this stuff. I've sat down with with um, similar groups of gang members, um, and and when I say gang, like you might be picturing Tupac, Biggie type stuff. It's like we're talking like 16 year old lost kids that that don't know what to do with their hurt and somebody gave them a gun 
Okay, it is not like like I have like we're we're at a spot right now in the neighborhood where where a lot of that has has healed over um, and is healing, uh, but but it is not uh, uncommon to see just this you know like like snotty nose little you know but carrying an, an AR like and you're like and and trying to like I don't know if you've ever seen like you know, dogs do this, but like if they get hit enough, like then they'll just lash out, you know, like and try to, like I've got this little bitty thing that um, we found in, in the back of the alley. It's a long story, uh, but uh, uh, she is the tiniest dog that the only way that she can uh, defend herself is by pretending that she's the biggest, baddest, mm. like she's gonna come at your throat, uh, you know, and it's just cute. Uh, but uh, there's a lot of that that happens in the city with, I'm going to put this in air quote, with gangs. There's a lot of that with, like, it, and it's not cute. It, it, it breaks my heart because I, they're doing the same thing. They're trying to, to prove if I can hurt you first, then you can't hurt me. It's a, it's a form of, of protecting themselves. And then you feel pretty powerful if you've got a firearm with you. And so I, I say all that to say, like, I've, I've sat down with, with gang members and, and who are essentially just these little kids. And we've gone through this, this, these three chapters. And, the, and there, was a, there was a season in my life where for two years straight, I, I preached on loving your enemies. That's all. Every single time we got together, I'd be like, you know, Jesus says this thing about turning the other cheek. Jesus actually says stuff like, you're supposed to love your enemies. That you're supposed to like bless them, not run from them or not, or not kill them. And it's a radical message for us. It, I would say it's even more radical for a 15-year-old who's seen their brother shot, who knows who did it, and who's armed and, and ready to go gun them down in revenge, and then to be confronted with Jesus' words of forgive them, love them, and to say, okay, I believe him. I'll do it. We've seen this happen, I'm going to say, five or six times in such incredible ways that, like, these are not, like, it's, like, I I talk about Jamel, but, like, I've got, like, five or six Jamels that should not be alive, that have forgiven their enemies, and they're world changers. They can do whatever they want. It's kind of like the, the saying with New York, where like, if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. You know, like that, that, if you can make it in North St. Louis with Jesus, with that good news attached, watch out, watch out. Because that life and death, like pressure cooker of an environment is creating some amazing kingdom-minded workers. And I got like, I got story after story of these matriarchs like Miss Sharon that I'll mention um, that make like daily moves that all of us would just be like, watch out. Like you just, you just want to shut up and listen. Whatever she says goes. Um, and every, it's, it's fun because like, like throughout the city, there are these people that, that are living out faith very differently than I, that I was accustomed to. But it is faith and it is stronger faith than I've ever seen. Thank, thanks for allowing me to say all that. I don't know where that landed. No. All right. So just out of uh, 
because we do have yeah. kids workers. Well, yeah, That's yeah. the big, we, I'm sure we could sit in here for a while. Um, but uh, the one, and, and I want I want to, uh, we'll, we'll kind of land on this as far as, um, first, is there, I, I know you brought a bunch of books with you. We have them here. Uh, and I'm, I'm sure there's a way for people, if it's cash or if they can get online and just order and take the book home mm -hmm. with them if they want, or somehow we'll figure that out. Yeah, yeah. Br brickcityshop.com brickcityshop is the whole thing, and then it's got the book and on you there. Can, okay. Mm -hmm. um, so we'll figure that out if you want to take a book home today and, and help brickcityshop.com. Yeah. Um, uh, but let, let's land on just, uh, because you, you just said, one of the things, it's not that everybody can necessarily or should be called to invade the city. And yeah. um, uh, also, this is not a formula. I, one of the things you talk about, I'm, I'm gonna shortcut this, but this is actually a powerful message of when Ms. Sharon's like, don't, don't come in here and do this for us. We need, give us our street back. Give us our voice back. Let us, let us speak up for it. Mm -hmm. But then also then our own, uh, you know, the, the what sometimes we can be fed, the us versus them, those people, we are better, that Jesus will prayerfully, hopefully, bust through that I am no better than Marcus, Jamel. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I hope to one day serve Jamel. Like, mm -hmm. uh, so we, maybe we need to have him come out and preach here, uh, yeah. and then I'll quit, and then he can <laughs> take it over. Uh, but like how, um, what, what do we in our lives that are not absent of emotional toil and conflict and all of the things that the suburbs yeah. deals with, but it's not that, but it's not life and death. What are the things, what do we take from this? What do we, how does the kingdom of God begin to, how do we learn from yep. the block at Enright on what the kingdom of God looks like? So I'm going to rattle off some things, and, you, and if you need to rein it in, you, you, okay. you do it. Okay, all right. Um, I, I think that prayer through this is really important. So if you're, if you're sitting there and anything is like, oh, like if it's landing in such a way that you're like, there's conviction, um, I, w I want to encourage you by saying that was, that was where we were 15 years ago. And there was this convicting, prayerful season that happens before this. It's not showing up in the books. It's not, it's, you know, it, it's not even really talked about. And I don't even know that I, that I prayed well. So I'm not like a great prayer. I can't even say the word right, okay? Um, but there's an earnestness of like, God, what do you want me to do? Start there. Start there. And, and even when you feel like you've heard keep going back to that, that prayer. Like, keep going back. Because that, that's going to solidify calling. Calling is, does, like, don't get freaked out by that. Like, like we're talking simple, tangible, preach with your hands, demonstrate the gospel type stuff. Okay? Trey does an amazing job of speaking. It's, it's great. Not all of us are called to be behind a microphone. Most of us are not. So how do you need to preach with your hands? How do you need to take the gospel to others? Just pray about that, right? Like, 
don't, we don't do it out of guilt. We don't do it out of fear. We don't do it out of any reason other than this is life. It's life. So if you've, if you've experienced that, you know how good it is. If you haven't experienced it, then that's where you pray. <laughs> Let me experience you even more. Um, I, would, I would really encourage you to start there. Um, and then your next steps are led by the Holy Spirit. Um, your next steps are led to where there needs to be even... I'm sorry. Sorry, right, sorry. Right. Everybody's over it already. Keep going. Even, uh, uh, even with, with, um, uh, with, with where we're at in this room. I'll say it again. In this room. There are... The way that the church works, capital C church, not just service, but the way that we are wired, our DNA, is that, that some of us need to go far... Some of us need to stay. Some of us need to like reach into the messiness. Some of us are, are like just, you know, passing out hot dogs. Like, is this making sense? Like, like so, so don't, there is no one that is greater. Like we're going to see Jesus say, like this isn't a, a, if you go the farthest, you're the best. Or if you get into the most depressed area, then, then you're somehow greater. It's not that. It's, it's tracking with Jesus to where he would call. And then being excited about that because you're probably unique in, in what that looks like. So we do need to reach across the river. Somebody needs to go and find a way. There's all kinds of ways. Like there's, there's 15,000 nonprofits in St. Louis, in our region. 15,000, pick one, all right? Uh, there's, there's over, I think it's like 4,000 churches, and I'm just counting the good ones, okay? Okay. Uh, the, the ones who are on that list, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. they know who they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, uh, like we, we, St. Louis is so unique because there are literally thousands upon thousands and thousands of people who want to do good, all right? We have the gospel message where it's not just going to be tokenism. It's not going to just be like uh, when helping hurts type stuff. Like this could actually transform us. And it's, it's, it's not that we need thousands it's that we need to be a community. Mm -hmm. We need to be a community that is connected to each other, mm -hmm. that is faithful to Jesus and whatever he's calling us to. Does that, does that make sense? So I could give you a ton of stuff of how to, if you, if you are interested in city work like we're doing, then you're rare. I'll just say that. Because like, not everybody needs to be doing what we're doing. Maybe 10%, even in this room, need to talk. Okay? That means 90% of you are just like, that was nice. Thanks. See you next Sunday. That's cool. Like, that doesn't hurt our... That's, that's how this kingdom works, right? But if you're one of the 10%, we should talk. Because there, there have... There, my wife and I have learned a lot of lessons of what not to do, and we'd love to pass those on. Hmm. Too. So I will make myself available. You can have my email. Uh, I don't ever answer the phone, uh, so don't even bother with that. And once again... 24-hour, you can text me, and you're welcome to come down and walk around and see everything, and then we can go from there. Awesome. All right. What I'm going to do, uh, don't go yet. I'm going to pray for you, and then, uh, and then we'll, we'll wrap it up. Um, you can hang out for a few minutes afterwards? Absolutely. All right. Uh, so take him to lunch or go grab coffee down in the city or go grab... Something good down in the city. I'm sure you know the restaurants down there better.
Yeah. Shoo. Um, and, uh, and then here's, here's your assignment for this week. It's twofold. One is pray for Lucas and love the Lou, and then the, the Enright Street, that God would continue to move. And in our prayer, man, be aware of pity. Be aware of, like, these, some of these kids that are going to come out of here. The story of Jamel is amazing. And the Tuesday night dinners, there's so many things. Uh, you probably, it seems like you may have spent thousands of dollars just on hot dogs for, yeah, which that's a lot of hot dogs. Uh, but, like, Jamel, the, like, a, her, a hero in the faith, maybe. Um, and the way God works there. And for us to not in any way think, to, to look down on anybody. Um, but that God's love is unique. God love, God's love and the kingdom of God calls a, a white kid from the suburbs, calls a kid from Jackson, Missouri, calls Jamel from the streets of St. Louis, and God does amazing things in and through anybody. Uh, and um, yeah, so praying for Lucas, for Love the Lou, for, for these names, Miss Sharon and, and Jamel and, and kids down in, uh, on Enright and the future generations, uh, but also just um, God help me see the kingdom of God at work where I'm at. Maybe I move, maybe I go somewhere, maybe I'm just right here and available at the place that I go. And maybe God opens our eyes to see the darkness in the suburbs. We can get away with a lot here. Uh, like you said, it, it's in the suburbs, the biggest danger spiritually is Jesus is an option. He's, he's among many different things that I can use to cope to get through my day. Uh, and man, that's dangerous. So uh, God opened my eyes to see the kingdom at work in me and around me. Um, and uh, so in our prayer this week, of, as we see the kingdom continue to go, that God would open our eyes. So let me pray for you, pray for us, and then we'll do communion. Cool with that? All right. God, thank you for mercy and grace. Uh, far be it for anyone in here to think that somehow we merited uh, the kingdom of grace and mercy coming to me. Um, and yet, may we be in awe that uh, the rich and the poor, uh, the, the haves and the, haves not, the have-nots, the, uh, every ethnicity, every nationality, one day, uh, according to your word, one day we will all stand around your throne and, and sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Um, and we will do this together uh, and... Uh, and it, it will be a glorious day. Thanks for Lucas. Thank you for the call that you put on his life. Thank you for the words that he's written. Thank you for um, his willingness to, and, and even, <laughs> man, uh, the, the naivety to walk in and then you go, oh, just wait. Uh, and that gloriness, the glory of being, being willing to be the fool to see wisdom brought from just unbelievable places. Uh, so thank you for his life and his testimony. We continue to, we pray for his continued ministry and faithfulness. Uh, Love the Lou, amazing organization, and the battle there to keep that a beautiful, humble service uh, of, of the kingdom of God at work in St. Louis. And may you do more than we could possibly ask or fathom for your glory 
In Jesus' name, amen. All right. And now you can clap for Lucas and then. Building our identity in Christ for the sake of the world. That's the mission of Refuge Church. For more information, visit us online at seekrefuge.net.